0: Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Go where the builders go. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have the know-how and the answers to make your life a bit easier. So here they are, the hosts of the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez.
2: And I'm Tony Cookston.
1: Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about painting. What's that thing that we can do uh, between
2: the months of November and March when it's raining outside in the Pacific Northwest?
1: Yeah, it's cold. It's rainy. Nobody wants to be outside doing stuff, especially cleaning out your gutters, which you should be doing, but uh, you're probably not. Yeah. Like me.
2: Yeah. So we're going to focus on uh, really indoor painting. Obviously, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about hold true for painting the outside of the home, which is something that I need to do, paint the outside of my home. But that's not going to happen over the next few months. So one of the things that we can do uh, is paint inside. I mean, I feel like that you, you're you in the house and years and years and years go by. And, uh, and the wall colors and the ceiling colors are the same. And it becomes... Um, I don't know. What's that feeling? What's that terrible, feeling you get? Terrible. You get that feeling where you've just hatred been in. The <laughs> I don't know if it's hatred, but well, I'll tell you. you. Get that feeling that you've been in the same
1: place for so long, and, and you need something new and bright and fresh. You called me originally about this topic, and it struck a chord with me because I just painted our living room uh, after living in our home for three years. It was this hideous uh, yellow color. It was like this pale yellow, and (laughs) the whole room was pale yellow, and it's this big vaulted ceiling, you know, 12, 14-foot vaulted ceiling on one side, and then it comes down in the back, and uh, we hated it. Every square inch of that room, we absolutely hated the paint color, but it's just so much work. It is. So finally, I took uh, the Thanksgiving weekend off, and uh, it took me about four days to paint Uh, That room, but I I got it done. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but the the, it's but
2: it's very rewarding, and it's something that um, we do just to remain sane. I feel like you know, just to be, just to come home and feel at ease and comfortable, and not be sitting in a place that you just can't stand looking at.
1: It is something to be said. Uh, We actually joked around the other night. We were sitting in the room, and uh, we actually like our things better. You know, our (laughs) things look better in the room now. Yeah. Here's what's funny. Your situation is different because you've just
2: changed the color for the first time um in a room since you've been in the home. So, you've been in that room where you spend a lot of time really um looking at a color that was chosen by somebody else. Mm-hmm. In my situation, I've been in my house for 12 years and um I'm now becoming tired of the colors that I chose. <laughs> originally so it's different for you because you now have something that's your own and you you can blame the guy that painted it before true i have nobody to blame but myself (laughs) i've become tired of the colors i chose um but you just need to do that new thing you and and the other thing is that with trends and changing styles and interests right you want to keep up with the things that make you happy and the things that made you happy 12 years ago, maybe not the things that make you happy today, or maybe it made you happy then, but now it's just over. You're done with it. You're, you know, you've had it up to here with that and, uh, and it's time for something new, but, uh, there are, uh, there's a lot that goes into that. Corey, I mean, y- you've painted before. I mean, you're a, you're a, a grown man who's owned homes and you've painted before, But it's never a small chore. It's never small. No matter how small the project is, there's a lot that goes into it. And so there's a lot to be talked about to help you understand how long it will take you, what it's going to cost you, and the best ways to go about getting it done.
1: Yeah, it's not just about choosing a paint color. You know, going to the store, picking out paint chips, bringing them home and saying, I want this.
2: Although that can be very well, time that's consuming. A, that's a tough part. I mean, that's a big hard,
1: but that, but that's not all of it. I mean, there's so much no, more. I mean, the prep work alone, uh, In it, again, in any project, the preparation is the, the success. The key to any success of any project is how much you prepare uh, for that project. I mean, consider this. Painting a room... Uh, that's X amount of square feet, and you think, yeah, I think it'll take me two gallons, uh, but it'll cut it close. Yeah. Three quarters of the way through that, it's 8 o'clock at night, you're almost done painting, but you run out of paint. I mean, these are the things that if you don't prepare well enough and uh, really figure out everything you need ahead of time, It It, takes you an extra day.
2: Not only does it take you an extra day, but it causes you a bunch of extra work. Now, you're putting away trays, you're cleaning out brushes, you're cleaning out rollers, you're picking up the drop cloth. uh, You're doing all of those things because now you have until tomorrow before you can go to the store and buy the stuff and come back and do it. And you can't just leave everything laying, especially not you with kids that are... You oh, know, well, no, I mean, you wouldn't and want eight to anyway. Years old or
1: whatever. You got rollers full of paint or paint brushes full of paint. I mean, a good brush will set you back 20 bucks, mm-hmm. 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you let that thing sit out, it's going to ruin it. Okay, so here is a little tip. I'm just going to throw this in. It's
2: early in the show, but I'm going to throw this in. If you are doing some interior paint work and you're using like a water based paint, right? And we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff, you know, like, uh, Latex paint and oil paint and all that stuff, but you're using a water-based paint on your walls and you've got a brush and the brush is full of paint, right? You can take that brush, the whole brush, put it into a Ziploc bag, Ziploc that bag, and for a period of time, it will keep that brush brush fresh and you won't have to uh, you won't have to clean it out. But that's not going to last forever that way, right? If, uh, if you know you're gonna be back to the job in, in a couple of hours or maybe even overnight, yeah uh, overnight you can uh, you can put that in a ziploc bag, zip that thing up and uh, and it will be ready to go tomorrow.
1: Actually, to add on to that, um, you can throw it in your refrigerator and it will help s- slow that paint drying process. Uh, quite a bit. Don't put it in the freezer, because uh, latex <laughs> does that, does that paint just, will freeze. Oh, that doesn't
2: just slow it even more. I no, it,
1: latex paint <laughs> will freeze. So, um, what if you're painting the walls a sort of cool blue color? They'll make it cooler. Is it okay? okay if it's in the freezer <laughs> then, right? Because
2: it's going to be sort of a blue, turn it cold uh, blue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, that is a good tip because uh, yeah, like you said, you you finish up. And you, the last thing you want to do is clean out rollers and brushes and all of these things. There's actually a really cool. The last last thing you want to do is have to do it twice, <laughs> twice <laughs> because you didn't get enough paint. And then, the first and time. then just throw it all away because you're tired of it. I'll <laughs> buy oh, new one. Uh, but no, there there's some cool products out on the market right now uh, for storing old rollers or paint covered rollers. Uh, they're made out of silicone. It's like a silicone tube, and you slide it over your roller. Uh, frame, and then you grab it, and then you slide it off full of paint, and then you put a cap on it.
2: They're, oh, really? Yeah, they're pretty neat. That is neat. That seems like uh, it would be worth its weight in gold. <laughs> well, um, at least in latex paint. Of course, fortunately, uh, as we're dealing with this sort of stuff, a lot of these things are pretty inexpensive. Honestly, roller covers are pretty inexpensive. Some paint brushes can be inexpensive, but uh, that's not necessarily the way to go. We're going to actually talk about Uh, the different qualities of the tools that you will use and uh, where you can cut corners and where you shouldn't. Um, And and we're going to get into all that. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more painting tips for inside your home with Tony and Corey. Don't go away.
0: Listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. It's time to pick up that paintbrush and get going. I'm really
2: glad we're having the show because honestly, I have got some painting inside my house that I need to do as well. We've actually already got paint colors sort of swatched. Oh, you already picked them out. Swatched on. Well, we picked out some and we've got them swatched on the wall right? We, we got that far. We got to the, to the paint store. We picked out some colors that we liked a few. Uh, we got them home, we got them up on the wall and then we're unable to commit immediately after that. That's how far we got. And you know, honestly, that was about two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so for the last two years, I've had these, uh, paint swatches, uh, uh, painted up on the wall. And, uh, and honestly, the weird thing is at the time that we were unable to commit, right, we just weren't sure about those colors. And now I've been looking at them for so long. I kind of like them. <laughs> I think they've grown on me. Uh, and so we may end up staying with those colors after all. But it, it can be a very arduous task, right? Because uh, maybe you're not only choosing the color for you. Maybe you're choosing the color for you and others that are in the home. And anybody who has an opinion uh, is going to make the going to make the decision even more difficult did did how did you choose colors did you just let your wife choose the colors and then you uh, went with whatever she wanted
1: essentially you know the there there is popular colors out on the market you know you go to a lot of the paint stores and they have designer colors they have uh color palettes so to speak so that you can go in there and say you know i like this color palette and a lot of times they they lay out on there five or six different colors that are that complement each other. That work good that, together. That go yeah. very well with each other. And you say, you know what? I want that for my trim. I want that for my walls. The decisions are Done. made for you. All you got to do is just get in the right realm. Kind of. I mean, the uh, Miller Paints, great Pacific Northwest company, uh, they have that. They, they have teamed up with uh, professional designers that go in there and have these these fantastic color palettes. Uh, and we did that in our kitchen. We painted it white. You know, it was very popular white, uh, but it wasn't just white, white. It was very alabaster or something like that.
2: Yeah. There's like 75 different whites.
1: <laughs> a million. <laughs> uh, but the walls is very popular to do with what's called grayge. Yeah. It's a uh, gray slash beige. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be careful there because a lot of the grays, you know, you hear this term warm gray. Well, it seems silly. Warm gray, (laughs) uh, but there are greys that have the more of that brownish hue to them, and that's kind of what they refer to as grayish. Yeah, and uh, during the day they look kind of gray, and at night they look brown.
2: Yeah, another very important tip, and we're going to definitely cover that one. Well, that uh, was one of my that was
1: one of my tips actually on my list was um, if you pick out a color and you're not sure about it, don't just do a chip. You know the paint chips are great to get an idea, uh, but if you're if you're one of those people that are very indecisive, uh, get a quart of it, get a pint of it, get a lot of places will have sample bags mixed up. These just little pre-mixed bags that you can take home and paint a larger area. Uh, if you don't want to actually paint it on your wall, paint it on a piece of cardboard or and piece tape of, it.
2: Yeah, or a piece of wood or trim or something yeah, like that, and yeah. tape
1: it to your wall. That way you can see. What it looks like on a larger area. You can see what it looks like in different lighting. Um, paint, I don't know if you know this, Tony, but uh, light bulbs burn in what's called Kelvin. You know, the, the temperature of the bulb uh, determines the color that it emits. Interesting. So the higher the Kelvin, the bluer the bulb, the whiter it is. So... You've seen this on uh, probably driving through neighborhoods. You'll see somebody's front porch light, you know, where they've grabbed a new CFL or a new LED bulb with a really high Kelvin. It looks white. Yeah. You know, and the house next door has like that old incandescent yellow, warm yellow color. Yeah. Well, it's the same with bulbs. I mean, you can get every color under the rainbow. You know, I, I prefer the warm yellow and they look totally different. When you have a light bulb, uh, like a CFL, they look totally different because, uh, uh, what's the word? The fluorescents Mm -hmm. give off a greenish hue. Oh, yeah. So you've got to be really careful uh, how you're choosing colors and how you look at them. When you're in the store, it's going to look totally different than if you're standing out in the sun or if you're standing out uh, in your living room under your lighting.
2: So it makes sense that you would put that
1: on the wall and you would
2: look at it in the daytime and you would look at it in the nighttime with the lights, uh, you know, with the lights all on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to give you several different looks at it, I've been really, you know, studying mine for two years. I've got a pretty good idea now. Uh, whether, I, whether look at I, it,
1: you got to look at it in the pitch
2: black. Yeah, I've looked really, at it really. See, yeah. it, <laughs> I've uh, you know, I've turned my black light on in there to see what it looks like under <laughs> my black light. I got it pretty well figured out now after a couple of years, but uh, that's a that that decision is a difficult part of the process. But let's rewind, let's just back her straight up and let's talk about the first things you did uh, when you decided that this was the room you were going to paint and uh, and you had. Uh, to prepare for that? I mean, was the first thing you did by paint, or was the first thing you did prepare the walls for paint?
1: You know, the first thing I did was by paint. Uh, We picked out the color already. We had already painted our kitchen that color, and we knew what we wanted. Um, I did run into an error, and I'll tell you about that a little bit later, and it has to do with the sheen. That was the second choice I had to make. We pick the color, then you have to pick the sheen, um, the Charlie Sheen? The, 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 the yeah, the, the dad. What was the dad? <laughs> the Martin Sheen. <laughs> Martin Sheen. You could get the Martin
2: Sheen, the Charlie <laughs> Sheen, or you can go completely off the books and go with the Emilio Estevez, <laughs> which is, go. yeah, the third Sheen, really. But yeah, it's, the other brother. Yeah, it's different.
1: Uh, no, I mean, when you're talking about Sheens, you're talking about the shininess of that paint. Uh, you can get flat, eggshell, satin, semi-gloss, and glossy. Uh, flat being obviously the most flat, eggshell the next, satins right in the middle, uh, semi-gloss, and then glossy would obviously is just like it sounds, it's glossy. <laughs> glossy. Um, different manufacturers of paint will call those different things. Sometimes they'll call them. I don't even know. Low luster. Yeah, luster. That's one of them. Yeah. I forget who does that. There's lots of, yeah, there's
2: going to be lots of in-betweeners and some of them will add some. Uh, You'll find glossy and you'll find high gloss and super duper, uber high gloss. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of those things. Uh, You have to try to be objective and feel free to ask the professional that's selling the product.
1: Where does this fall into the line between flat and gloss? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but when choosing your sheen, uh, it's important to know what you're painting and where you're painting it. That's very important. And what you have going on in there. Uh, flat paints, if you consider on that realm of, of glossy to flat, flat paints are not easily cleanable. You can't wipe them as easily as you can a glossy. A glossy paint you can scrub on, you know, so the, the glossy paint is perfect for trim. You know, the, your baseboards and the trim around your windows they, that see a lot of traffic. You know, the fingerprints and touching. Dust. Dust. And you can easily just spray it, wipe it down. Where flat paints don't have that ability. Uh, there are some paints on the market. They call them like... Uh, Scrubbable flats, but essentially what they are are eggshell, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or really flat satin.
2: I mean, flat has a great place inside the home. I I have flat paint finishes inside of my house, which I absolutely love. They don't reflect light, correct, and uh, and they look bright and rich all the time because you don't get that sort of um, sheeny sheen, yeah, that that glossy you know gleam from the lights around the room. I love the look of flat. But you have to be super careful because if you try to, if you you end up with something on a flat surface that needs to be cleaned, and you wipe that with a rag, you just wipe the paint
1: right off. Sometimes you yeah. end up
2: with a, you know, end up with a black or whatever color paint right on your
1: your rag. So, so my my point there is, think about what you have going on. If you have kids, I wouldn't go flat. If you have pets, I wouldn't go flat. If you're a, a, a single person, or you know your kids and your pets are long gone, flat is great great paint color just let it does
2: it does give a really nice different look because you don't see it very much inside the house but there's reasons why and it really hides imperfections yeah absolutely it does okay folks we're going to take another quick break i can't believe how quick this is going um we'll be back with some more painting tips right after this don't go away
1: The Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. If you haven't already, go check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash show. Feel free to leave a comment, or if you want to shoot us an email, you can go to par.com, that's P-A-R-R.com. com, uh, click on the Weekend Warriors link, and both Tony and I's email addresses are there, and you can send us a question if you'd like.
2: We're always happy to hear from the listeners uh, if you've got comments or questions or uh, if you just want to make fun of the way we sound on the radio, we, we love all that stuff. We love to make a connection with our listeners. It's, uh, it's something we enjoy.
1: I actually got an email from a listener this summer uh, asking a paint question, and I thought it would probably be appropriate to bring it up right now. He wanted to know the difference between latex paint and oil-based paint. You know, and that's not really an, an easy question to answer. I know you've done a little bit of research on it. What did you yeah. come up with? Well, you know,
2: oil-based paint is a very traditional way that we used to make paint and use paint. It was the way we understood it for a long time. Oil-based paint is, is very hardy. Um, it's got it's got high VOCs, which is something that uh, you know, is not super cohesive with um, with being um, environmentally friendly let's say yeah uh in addition to that it it takes longer to to dry and so you know in our hurry up world that we're in you know we wanted something that would dry more quickly um oil base gives you a longer period of time to work with the paint right you can you can paint it with a with a brush and paint back over it and paint back over it and you have time with uh with a a latex paint or a water-based paint you end up with it drying more quickly, uh, gets a skin on it more quickly, and just shortens your work time with the product. Additionally, with with oil-based paint, it lays down more evenly, it gets better flow, and it lays down more evenly, and you end up with less mm, brush strokes or whatever you call those... Uh, those marks that you get left on the wall brush marks brush marks uh because it doesn't dry so quickly right it lays down and it's more even gives you a more even finish um but oil-based paint has to be cleaned up with mineral spirits right which is difficult and challenging uh water based paint can be uh, is water soluble so we cleaned up with water so really in an effort to come up with a product that we felt like would do the same thing um, but would be easier to work with, would dry faster, and, and that sort of thing. We came up with the latex paint uh, or a water-based paint. And that's really essentially the difference between the two. As a matter of fact, if you were trying to decide whether you were gonna use oil-based paint or a water-based paint or a latex paint, um, depending on the surface that you're putting the paint on, that would help you make your decision. Corey, you had um, custom cabinets installed in your kitchen. And your painter used an oil-based paint to paint all of the cabinets in your kitchen. And the reason why he did that is because it dries harder. It gives you a a much more durable surface in the end. When you're using the product, it's super odorous, right? Very stinky. Oh, high, high VOCs. And uh, and it's difficult to, to work in that type of an environment, right? You need to have a you need to have a mask on and and make sure that you're you're vented regularly or properly. Um, but the ultimate result is so much better, more durable, lasts longer, smoother uh, finish. It's a great product to use, but you have to be patient and um, and and you have to you know, you have to be prepared to work with something that's not super fun to work with.
1: Well, yeah, you're exactly right. The painter that came in and did my kitchen, I mean, he dressed up full Full gear. I mean, it had a a full body suit, Tyvek suit, zip up. You know, he had a hood, respirator. Uh, yeah, a respirator, a goggles, mask. I mean, we had to close off uh, that entire room. We had to like hermetically seal that room. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it the smell was horrendous. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the finish is phenomenal. It's second to none. Yeah, yeah, and it, that's... which you could not achieve. With a latex-based paint,
2: but all the painting that you're going to do in your home uh, is not all. It's not all necessary to use uh, an oil-based paint. Um, you can use. they've now added to latex paints enamel, right? And uh, enamel is uh, is an additive that makes the paint harder later, right? It takes a long time to cure. It dries fast to the, to touch, the touch, right to the touch. But it takes a long time to cure. As a matter of fact, it can take up to, depending on the weather and the you know the humidity in in your home, it can take up to a month to cure properly. But once it's cured, uh, it's it's harder than a regular latex paint or a regular water-based paint. Uh, Still not necessarily as good as an oil-based paint, but um, but you don't need to have that everywhere. Trims, cabinets, those types of things uh, are good for that type of paint. But wall paint and ceiling paint. Water-based, in my opinion, latex paint is a good way to go.
1: Well, there is a solution uh, for latex-based paints that you don't want them to dry, if you don't want them to dry super quick. You know, fast-drying paints are great for walls, but not so great for trim, uh, especially if you're using a brush, if you want to uh, hand brush your trim it's going to leave those paint marks, and it dries super, super quick. Same with a cabinet door or your front door Correct. or
2: any interior
1: doors. Uh, even if you're rolling, you know, the best uh, method to paint a, a front door, in my opinion, is to use a foam roller uh, that lays out super smooth. However, if the paint dries too quickly, it'll leave uh, little stipple marks from your roller. It won't even lay that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to get around that, you can use a... a paint conditioner uh, there's one on the market called flow trawl uh, you put a couple ounces in a gallon of paint and it actually extends the drying time of any uh, latex paint
2: yeah the open time the time that you can work with it and get it to lay down yeah, yeah and
1: it allows that uh, that paint to lay out yeah and, and lay smooth there are paints on the market that have that additive in them already uh, that are made specifically for, for painting furniture. Um, They're a little bit more expensive. You're going to pay 50 bucks a gallon for them, to be honest. So uh, watch out for that.
2: Yeah, well, speaking of that specifically, I think, you know, whenever we're out spending money buying something and we're relying on the professionals or the experts to tell us what's the right product to use, uh, I think we're always skeptical that the guy selling the product is just wanting to get the most money out of you that's possible. Well, it's not always the case, but it is a natural feeling that we have. Well, in the case of buying paint, I feel like uh, you're probably safe because you don't want to buy, in my opinion, you don't want to buy the least expensive paint that's out there. You want to get a quality paint, especially if you're painting your own home. Now, if you're flipping a house, right, and you're going to sell it in a month and, uh, you know, the people that come in are going to want to repaint the walls anyways, well, then you can get away with using an inexpensive paint. But if you want the paint to last, you don't want it to discolor. And you want it to be uh, get good coverage, right? Then you want to get a good quality paint, anyways, and not the least expensive paint, in my experience.
1: Well, so I would be weary too of any paint that calls itself a one coat paint. I don't trust it. I I have bought many one coat paints. Um, Maybe if you're painting white over white. You might get away with a one coat or a white over a very light white. <laughs> you might get it, but I've never seen it. I've never seen a paint. If you're painting this,
2: a cream white over a snow white? Well,
1: especially over like textured walls.
2: Or an alabaster white?
1: Yeah. But like, especially over textured walls. I mean, you just, it's almost impossible to get your walls covered in one coat. Mm-hmm. Almost impossible.
2: Yeah. And super difficult with white on white anyways, right? Because it's so hard to see where you've been and where you haven't been until you do.
1: That's true. You know, uh, especially (laughs) with ceilings. They make a ceiling paint that changes color as it dries. Ah, now that's something. It's a cool idea. And I actually used it in my kitchen. You you spray it on, I sprayed it on, and it goes on like a light blue color. Yeah. And then when it dries, it dries white.
2: That is... uh, that is an absolutely phenomenal idea. I, I feel like, why didn't we come up with that? Why didn't we come up with that?
1: <laughs> well, you know, they recently took it to Spackle. Adapt makes a product that goes on pink, and when it, when it's ready to paint, it turns white. Wow. It's fantastic. That is that is smart. Picking your paint, choosing
2: your sheens, choosing your your type of paint, the colors of paint, can all be very daunting. But it's really only the first part of a bigger project, right? So don't don't be afraid to ask the professionals opinions. Don't be afraid to go with colors that have been, uh, that are suggested for you. If you find one color that looks good, the other colors on that little swatch that are with it, it's okay to use those. They've been chosen for you. Uh, that can make it a lot easier. Um, don't overthink it, but don't stay on your couch. You gotta get it done. We gotta take another quick break. When we come back, some more really good painting tips. You listen to Tony and Corey, don't go away.
0: to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about painting. Uh, it's a tedious task that everybody does, or everybody well, maybe wants to, or doesn't want to. <laughs> I, You know, I, Tony, I actually enjoy painting. Well, here's the thing. I was going to actually ask you about this. You
2: know, a lot of people, when they think about having the interior of their home painted, they think, man, I'm going to get a contractor. I want it done right. I want it done fast, right? And I don't want to have to mess with all of that stuff. And while that's certainly something you can do, um, unless saving money is not even on your, you know, is not even in the scope, in your scope, (laughs) Yeah, unless it's not in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, then otherwise it doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's totally something you can do. You just have to do it. You just have to get up and do it. It's not fun work necessarily, but it's rewarding. It's a lot more rewarding doing it yourself than paying somebody
1: to do it. Well, here's the thing. My wife hates painting. I I, I enjoy it. I like it. I I do find it rewarding. Uh, It is tedious. You have to take your time uh, and really focus on what you're doing. Uh, But we had a guy come in and give us a quote on painting one room, one room, $1,000. Wow. To paint one room. Wow. I looked at my wife and said, oh, no, I'm going to paint that myself. And I did it. It only took me, I mean, it took four days. But, you know, the first day I worked on it for like two hours. The next day I maybe did a few hours and the third day a few hours. So, I mean, I could have probably gotten it done in two days. Uh, but, you know, I took my time and really, you know, kind of worked on it when I wanted to over the Thanksgiving weekend. But saving money was on your radar.
2: Oh, absolutely. And so if, if saving money is on your radar, then painting is definitely something you can do. I feel like that we've said this so many times. It's just paint, right? You're, it's, not, uh, it's not something that's super inexpensive or irreversible or any of those things, right? The only person with a really good excuse for not painting the interior of their own home is a painter. <laughs> because
1: they do it all day. Because you don't
2: want to bring work home, right? Tr- sure. There's sure. a really good reason, a really good reason. You're not supposed to bring work home. That guy can hire it out, but everybody else, I feel like and now <laughs> I said that, and I feel bad for all the painters out there that are listening to our show. We're not trying to take work away from you. Um, but these these small projects at home are certainly something that the homeowner or weekend warrior can tackle and should tackle. I agree. Um, so so we've been talking about you know specifically picking out your your style and your sheen and your color and all of those types of things. Once you've gotten out and, and bought your paint, oh, here's another little tip. Do you use regular latex paint in the bathroom? No. There's a, there's a type of paint you should really be using in the bathroom. First of all, if you're choosing paint for the bathroom, the higher the sheen, right, the better. Because you're going to wipe those surfaces for sure. Mm-hmm. The surfaces in the bathroom definitely will be wiped a lot. We Hopefully. Ho- we hope, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you want a semi-gloss at the very least in your bathroom with a mildew They actually make kitchen and bath paint. Uh, that has mildicides in it to prevent mildew from growing. But here's the thing, you know, you may think to yourself, I'm going to paint my bathroom and there's mildew in there now. You know, your ceiling might have little black specks on it. You cannot just paint with mildicide paint, like bath, bath paint in there and expect to kill that mildew that's already there. It won't work. That mildew will actually work its way through your brand new paint and your new ceiling will have mildew on it. Mm. So you want to be careful there. You want to make sure that you clean all the surfaces with a like a 50-50 bleach mix to uh, to ensure that that doesn't work its way through your new paint.
2: Yeah, that's smart. Um, I, I know we're not talking about that right now, but also they make a specific caulk for caulking around the tub and around the mirror and around the sink. Also, that is... Uh, has a mildecide in it
1: as well. Yeah, it's a kitchen and bath latex. Yeah,
2: definitely something that you would want to use in the bathroom uh, to
1: make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. Here's a tip: when working with those different types of caulking, uh, most of them are not paintable. Latex or uh, uh, silicone caulking's will not paint; will not stick to them. Right, you can't paint silicone, so you want to make sure that if you have to paint it by a paintable caulk. And it'll say right on there, paintable silicone.
2: Yeah, sometimes it'll have silicone in it, but it's got other properties that allow it to be painted. Correct. But 100% silicone, yeah, you you can't paint it.
1: All right, so let's talk about some uh, pre, you know, getting ready to paint tips. You know, we talked about picking everything out. Now you're getting there. You've got it all set up. Um, Probably the first thing you need to do is move everything out of that room. Yeah. Yeah, Well, or cover it up. You need to definitely move it
2: away from the walls. Sometimes it's not feasible to move all the stuff out of the room, um, but it does make sense to get it moved into the middle. You know, if you've got a couch and a love seat, you can turn that love seat upside down on top of the couch, get it in the middle, and cram stuff as tight together in the middle as you can, and then just cover it up.
1: I will say, uh, it, with my experience in painting over the years, that you'll want at least six feet. Between the nearest piece of furniture and your wall, uh, I always recommend using a paint roller with a um, extension pole. Yeah, uh, that way you don't have to bend as much. You can you can fill up your paint roller from the tray or or your bucket from standing position. Uh, it's a lot easier to apply pressure to the wall with a roller when you have a pole on it.
2: Well, I know why you use a pole. I mean, I hear you telling the listeners why they should use a pole. But you use a pole because you like to sit and paint. (laughs) Corey is a sit and painter. That is not true. He will turn an empty five-gallon bucket upside down, cop a squat in the center of the room, extend that pole out to 20 or 30 feet, and he'll roll (laughs) the entire room from one spot.
1: That is not true at all.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I actually feel like that I could see you doing that. I haven't seen you do that, but I feel like it's something you would do.
1: No. uh, You know, actually, the room that I just painted had uh, 14-foot ceilings. And I had to get scaffolding to stand on that was uh, five feet, and then I still had to get a pole and extend it so I could reach with the as wow. high as I could reach to get to the ceiling.
2: You built scaffolding inside the, the living room. Yeah, I had to. It's a huge, you know, vaulted area. That's a major undertaking. Had you And that's why we it took three years to paint it. Had you anticipated that prior to starting the project that you Absolutely. knew you were gonna need scaffolding Absolutely. to get up?
1: Absolutely. Wow. I actually uh, started out a little bit um, with an extension ladder uh, to cut in, and I use uh, a nice brush. We'll talk about brushes in a little bit, but I use a brush to cut in first, and then I took my roller and painted with the roller after the fact. I actually have talked to people who prefer to roll first and then cut in. It's kind of
2: up to you. Yeah, you know, when I was rolling the walls in my house the last time I did it, I found myself trying to get closer and closer and closer to the ceiling with the roller. Um, and then ended up hitting the ceiling <laughs> because I wasn't a, I was thinking to myself, I don't I don't want to have to cut in too much. So I kept trying to get closer and closer and closer. If you cut in first and give yourself a good four or five inches from the corner, then when you roll after, you know exactly how far you have to go and you don't find yourself pushing that. That limit between uh, the wall and the ceiling. Totally, and then having to dig out a ceiling color or go and buy a ceiling color to uh, fix your
1: mistakes is not any fun either. Ceiling white. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, move everything. I always say move everything out of the room as much as you can. Take everything off the walls, all your paintings, all your you know posters, anything you have hanging on the wall, any small furniture, get it out of the room. Because uh, the one thing about a uh, paint roller is that it may not drip, but it will spatter. As you're rolling it, the speed of that roller will fling paint off of it. And sometimes you'll catch that. You'll notice it because it'll splatter you in the face. Yeah, sometimes you'll end up with it in your eyeball. You'll
2: get that everywhere in your room. Yeah. If you wanted to have blue eyes, but you don't, and you're painting with blue paint, that's a good way to make, sh- make that happen. Sure. Uh, we're going to cover some more preparation tips uh, before you paint when we come back. Don't go...
0: weekend warriors home improvement show with tony and Corey, built by par lumber go where the builders go when it comes to big or small projects around the home tony and Corey have the know-how and the answers to make your life a bit easier so here they are the hosts of the weekend warriors home improvement show tony and Corey.
1: hey weekend warriors here we're talking about painting on the show today thanks for staying with us We've been covering all the tips uh, regarding picking out your paint, your sheen, uh, all of that stuff. And now we've moved into the house. We're getting ready. We've chosen the room, right? We've moved. Uh, we've moved all the furniture into the middle, or we've moved it out. Out is preferable. But you know, if it, if you have big furniture that you don't want to take out or don't have the ability to, yeah, move it to the center of the room. Cover it up. That's the other tip. Cover it up with plastic. Um, paint spatters from rollers will travel travel much further than you think, and then you'll be sitting there and you'll see little paint spatters on everything. You go, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, uh, that that will happen. Yeah. Um, my next tip, I mean, for for to prepare is to dust everything down, dust your walls, clean your walls, dr- you know, vacuum them if ha- if you need to. You would be surprised. On a textured wall, how much dust is actually in there?
2: It's amazing. I mean, uh, I w- you you look at the wall and you can't see it, even if the wall is white. You look at the wall and mostly you can't. See. If you can see dust, then you're not cleaning well enough. Well, I mean, if you can see it, it's an inordinate amount of <laughs> dust. You, what we're saying is, you need to clean off even just a little bit of dust. Wipe down the walls. You will have uh, you'll have a dirty rag by the time you're done for sure. And if you can see dust when looking at the wall, it's it's way too much dust. And you
1: want to get that off. Well, paint is only as good as the substrate you're painting it onto. If what you're painting it onto is uh, cracked, splitting, peeling... Or going to fall filthy, off. Yeah, it's all <laughs> of that stuff, then the paint won't stick to it. It'll stick to the stuff that's falling off or right. the dust or the dirt. Uh, so yeah, clean it off. Um, You'd really get into trouble... In areas that are high traffic, uh, like in a bathroom or in uh, your kitchen, where, especially in a kitchen, like around the stove area, if you're going to paint the walls around your stove, rest assured there is plenty of grease on those walls, even if you can't see it. And what will happen is you'll paint it, and the paint will beat up and not stick well. And uh, sometimes it can be bad enough where it'll peel off. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and think about this area too. That's the, that's the part of the wall that's going to be tested the most. There's a lot of heat, steam, uh, all kinds of stuff coming off of your stove that's going to test the integrity of the paint job on that wall. So if you're going to do a great job painting anywhere, it needs to be uh, around the stove, for example.
1: Yeah. Anywhere in your kitchen. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is say you have painted your kitchen in the past and you've painted it semi-gloss and, uh, or in your bathroom, you painted everything semi-gloss, um, new paint will have a hard time sticking to semi-gloss paint. So uh, cleaning it, deglossing it with uh, like a trisodium phosphate, uh, you mix it with water. In a bathroom, I would definitely recommend cleaning uh, the walls and the ceilings with uh, 50-50 bleach water mix. I, would, I think I talked about that earlier. Uh, to ensure that all of that mildew is killed. Yeah, and then you paint over it and with a with a paint with a side built in, and uh, you shouldn't have that problem going in the future unless you have excessive water or moisture in the room. So sorry, a, go ahead.
2: A warning, a warning signal for peeling paint. Right, if you're living in an older home, um, maybe not a newer home, and you've got peeling paint or um, of anything like that, uh, you know, you want to make sure that that's not a lead-based paint.
1: Oh, that's a really good point, Tony. Um, lead paint is terrible Uh, they have determined that it is it causes so many health issues you don't even want to touch it and there is very strict laws out there for dealing with lead-based paint Um, you can if you want information call the uh, national lead information center it's 1-800-424-LED 424-LED 1 800 424 lead. Yes, that's good information. Or is it lead? It's lead. Yeah, I would say it's lead. Yeah. <laughs> you want to lead the force. Yeah, lead it. Uh, le- uh,
2: yeah, very important. Uh, and you're not going to be able to tell by looking at it. But if you're living in a home that's pre
1: what? 50? Uh, I think, no, I think it's 1970. 1970. Or maybe even like 76. If you're
2: living in an older home, don't play the game, right? Just find out. Um, find out. Call somebody that can help you determine whether or not uh, if you've got peeling paint, you you want those paint chips to be disposed of properly. And it's there's a tester kit that you can get. I, I've never used one myself, but um, but you should test the paint if you're living in an older home. Make sure that you're not dealing with something that's that's gonna compromise
1: your health. Yeah, those tester kits are easy, cheap. You can buy them almost anywhere.
2: Once you got the walls clean, uh, then you want to make sure that they're solid surfaces. You're gonna find nail holes, cracks, um, all kinds of little imperfections, maybe where there was a hole in the wall and it's been repaired, but the texture doesn't match just right, this is your opportunity to fix that and make that right. If you have a portion of your wall where the texture that's on the wall, or maybe there's none, doesn't match the rest of the wall, you can run down to a par lumber, pick up a can of, uh, of texture, right? Probably orange peel, or maybe it's heavier or knock down textures. Uh, you can get a can, pretty inexpensive, and uh, spray a little tester bit on a piece of cardboard or another piece of wood so you can see how far away you need to be, how how much, how heavy the texture wants to be, and you can texture that area to match. This is the time to fix any imperfections in your drywall and uh, and texture them to match before you start to paint. Um, also, if you are painting wood and you've got a hole in the wood, uh, a two-part epoxy, um... Like PC Woody is one brand name of two part epoxy that you can use to fill holes in wood. You want to, a a regular wood filler sometimes will shrink and you could have a problem down the road, but a two part epoxy won't shrink. It dries very hard and uh, would be a good repair substance to use for holes in
1: wood. I don't recommend using things like spackle. Uh, Spackle just doesn't cure. It's not hard. Uh, it, it'll shrink in there and you'll see it. You'll absolutely see it. Spackle works really well for sheetrock, Uh, and that's
2: about it. If you have to fill a hole in wood, uh, make sure that you sand it down nice and smooth. You'll be able to see that in perfection there. Uh, even after you paint it, if you don't get it good and smooth, I once had to, to move the strike hole in the jam of my entry door. Wow. Up two inches. And, uh. And so I had to uh, I had to fill that hole, sand it down smooth and drill a new hole. And um, the more time you spend sanding it and making sure you got it good and smooth, the less the more you will appreciate the job that you did after you're done. Yeah, again, it's all about the prep work and patience. Uh, Sand everything smooth. Make sure that uh, you remove all the dust with a tack cloth. Tack cloth is a good that's a good piece of advice that picks up all those things that you're not thinking about.
1: One thing that sometimes I'll use is a, a blower, a blow gun, or, a, you know, sometimes you can even use that uh, little Makita. Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah. I use that all the time. But even like a can of air, like depending on the size of the area that you're doing, uh, if you don't have tack cloth, you can blow it off or use a vacuum. Um, so the next thing to prep is around where your trim meets your wall,
2: right? Um, even if the people before you didn't, you need to make sure you do that
1: before you paint. I've got some tips about that too.
2: We'll be right back. Don't go away.
0: with Tony and Corey, built by Park Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Tony and I are talking about painting today. We've got some tips lined up for you. We've been talking about uh, how to choose your paint, the right, the right sheens for the job. Uh, we're talking about some of the tools you need to do to get ready. Um, right before the break, we were talking about um, caulking. And I have a couple tips for caulking around your trim. Um caulking tips. Caulking tips. Hey, that's a good one. Yeah, caulking <laughs> tips. Um there is a, a product called painter's caulk uh that's just a really inexpensive acrylic uh paintable caulking uh that you can shoot in around trim where it meets your walls or your ceiling. Um that works really really well. I've had a couple situations where um like around my kitchen cabinets recently where the expansion and contraction of my house has caused that painter's caulk to flex so much that it has broken. So there's a gap, like a sixteenth of an inch gap or a thirty-second of an inch gap, uh, where that caulking just can't handle that expansion and contraction. Uh, So in that application, I'm going to use a more flexible caulking. Uh, So sometimes you got to go in and get uh, an acrylic-based silicone or a paintable silicone. There's tons of different ones out there that are more flexible. So if you see that situation in your home and you know about it, caulk it first ahead of time with that more flexible caulking and then paint. Like big stretch? Uh, that'd be a little, probably a little too much, but maybe like a Dynaflex uh, by DAP. That's a good one. Uh, it's, a lot of them are meant for more exterior use because they see the beating. Uh, but in that application, it would work fine. Um, when you are caulking, make sure you use a dripless caulk gun. Uh, What I mean by that, it actually has a mechanism in it that as you're squeezing it out, it doesn't have a ratchet. It has like a pressurized handle and there's a spring in there. So when you let off, it releases pressure on the tube. So it just doesn't keep squirting out (laughs) or oozing out. Um, Have you ever caulked anything and then set the gun down and come back to a a glob of caulking sitting there. Well, to I'll tell you it. what,
2: you don't have to spend a lot of time caulking to, to learn a, a trick very quickly, which is if you've got a six foot run, a bead of caulk, right? And you get to about four foot, you stop pressing the button, right? Yeah. And you let it run out because it's going or you have a quick thumb to release the pressure on the back of that gun. If you're doing that work, you learn how to use that gun. That's true. Uh, using a dripless caulking gun uh, no doubt would make that a lot easier it takes the you know it takes the technique out of it I think a little bit uh, that you just don't have to have but you'll learn that very quickly um when you ratchet that it's gonna keep pushing on that and keep pushing caulk out until uh, until it's run out there and so you need to release that pressure quickly uh, and stop squeezing the trigger um you know <laughs> two feet before you're done because there's plenty of pressure in there to get that all out
1: yeah caulking, you know it is a little tougher than if you've never done it and there there is a lot of technique involved in the way you cut the tip and how much pressure is applied and the angle at which you hold the caulking gun to the surface the way and you even yeah how uh, how the tip is associated and rotated uh can even determine how well that bead is laid in there
2: and then whether you tool it or don't tool it and how you do that always
1: tool it yeah always 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 i'll tell you
2: what when i'm doing any type of caulking that's going to be painted over right something that's not going to be you know a finished caulk that's going to be seen um i keep a wet rag in one hand and um and i run my finger along that bead and then wipe the excess off in my rag and i just move right
1: on i don't waste a lot of time here's what i do and that's it's very similar but what i do is i'll take a small bowl uh, like a little uh, dish with warm soap water in it. And I'll dip my finger in that and then run that down the bead of caulk. And it allows it to smooth very, very nicely. Without sticking to your finger. Without sticking to your fingers. Yeah, that's, um... Um, the other week when I painted my living room, I I didn't do that. I was just trying to hurry and I was trying to get that caulking done. And I just wetted my finger and then ran it down. Yep. Well, later when I came back to paint that, I cut that in. There was, it was really rough. Yeah. So you really tell the difference. It's a good way to keep it nice and smooth. Dip your finger in soapy water, run it down, and wipe the excess off on a towel.
2: Here's what you don't want to do you don't want to paint the wall and the trim and not caulk that joint between. Yeah, don't do it. Caulk the joint between the trim and the wall. You may think to yourself, ah, it's pretty tight. It's okay. After you paint, even if it looked like it was okay, you're going to see that shadow line, that black shadow line between the wall and the trim, and it's just going to make you. It's just going to make you wish you'd to, you to
1: caulked it. Yeah, it doesn't look finished. It just doesn't That's look finished.
2: Sure. Absolutely. Um, so don't skip that step. Uh, caulk between your trim and your wall. It, it'll make you happier.
1: If uh, Here's a, a really quick tip uh, where your walls meet your ceilings. Uh, pay close attention, especially if you have textured ceilings. I'd say most most houses built these days have textured ceilings, even textured walls and where they meet, a lot of times that texture kind of collects in the corner. So it makes it really hard to get a nice clean line with your brush. Uh, Take a screwdriver and scrape it along that surface. That way you can have a nice clean edge where your walls meet your ceiling. Um, I never recommend taping. Do you tape around... The, where, but, but or, for where the ceiling the meets corners. the wall? Well, anywhere. Do you tape around your trim and stuff like that? Uh, absolutely, yes. I'm a taper. I am a non-taper. You're a non-taper? I do not tape. Wow. I well, think it's a waste of money. I think it's a waste of time. If you learn, if you have the correct brush, which we'll talk about in a minute, but if you have the correct brush, you should never have to tape.
2: Well, I'm, I I do tape. Um, I like the, the finish that I get. You know, sometimes um, i pulled the tape off too fast and end up uh, peeling back the skin a little bit on that uh, latex tape that's or paint that's I put down there. And that, that frustrates me a little bit, but I do like the result that I get when I, when I tape and it gives me, um, a little extra confidence that I, you know, if I push a little bit too hard, if I move a little bit faster, I don't end up with, with paint on that other surface, which ultimately results in more work for me. Um, so that's the way I do it. And I mean, I can respect the fact that you don't, Um, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like that I am um, a precision enough painter to, um, to do a good job without taping. So yes, I'm a taper.
1: You're a taper. Um, Tony the taper.
2: Here's a tip. If you're painting a dark wall and you're not using a dark, dark color, you're going to want to prime it, um, oil-based primer or water-based primer.
1: Well, it depends on what you're putting your top coat is. If your top coat is oil-based, you want to use an oil-based primer. If your top coat is latex, you want to use a latex primer. Um, there are situations where you can use latex paint over an oil-based primer that is okay uh, talk to the professionals talk to them about your project what you're doing uh, they'll give you the right primer for the for the project uh, one tip though is if you're painting your walls get the primer tinted the same color smart yeah they can tint
2: your primer uh, that's that's uh, a it's very smart and that will save you money that'll cut you down on the amount of coats on the required. amount of paint that you have to put on the wall. But don't miss the primer step. Uh, it's a it's definitely going to save you time and money uh, even though it's it's extra work. it's the right thing to do. If you're not putting the coat on the wall with primer, you're putting it on the wall with paint. Any way you look at it. So put the coat on the wall with primer and save yourself money on extra paint. Well if you have
1: new construction, new sheetrock or new plaster, you really want to prime. Um, there are primers with what they call PVA in it, and that actually acts as a moisture barrier, and it's very important to put that on before the paint.
2: Yeah, that's smart. Uh, yeah, if you're painting raw sheetrock, you definitely going to have to prime. There's just not two ways about it. Um, and, and of course, like we mentioned, if you're painting over a previous darker paint color than what you're putting on, you've got to use it.
1: Yeah, or a stained paint. Uh, if you if you're painting stained wood, uh, definitely buy an oil based primer you... like Kills. Kills makes one, or you can buy other different primers like a Zinser makes one uh, that covers up that old stained finish because it will bleed through. Absolutely, I guarantee it. Absolutely. Um, When we come back, we're going to talk about the different types of
2: brushes and which one is going to work best for you. I know you have your preference. Let's talk about all of them and what they do. And when we come back, we got Mr. Barbecue, so don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Improvement show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today on the show, Tony and I are talking about painting tips, everything you need, all of the tools, how to choose the right paint. And uh, we've been kind of giving you some tips on how to get prepped and ready to go.
2: And all the stuff we've been talking about, Corey, kind of has been making me hungry. Well, you know, when you're painting and painting and painting and painting, you get hungry. Yeah, it's a lot of work, and it tires you out, and you need to refuel. What is the best way, in your opinion, to refuel after a long day of arduous painting?
1: Talk to Mr.
3: Barbecue. Mr. (laughs) Mr.
2: Barbecue. What's up, my brother?
3: I am doing absolutely fantastic, and you...
2: Uh, we're doing great. We're hoping that we can hone some of our painting skills by uh, basting something that, you know, needs yep. basting.
3: Yes. You know what, guys? So, you know, it is the holiday season, and you're going to have orders, and you're going to have people over, and you're going to do all that good stuff. So, we did just have turkey. I hope you guys had a great one. Uh-huh. I had a great one. one. I saw a picture of somebody smoked turkey here a while ago. Oh, the other picture looks awesome, too, with it. It's all carved up. Nice <laughs> job,
0: Tony. Oh, yeah,
2: baby. That's wow, good.
3: wow. Um, so anyway, so we have all these parties and, and to get together. So what we're going to do is we're going to do chicken poppers. Mm. And they, these are these are delightful, little luscious, wonderful tasting pieces with bacon and barbecue sauce and everything else. So what we're going to do, you can use chicken breast, you can use thighs. I'm a thigh guy. I just, you know, I, I like thighs. It's hard to dry them out, but the recipe really calls for chicken breast. So you can do whatever you want. But what we're going to do is we're going to get uh, four chicken breasts. We're going to slice them in half, and then we're going to pound them out and get a piece of parchment paper, get a hammer. Uh, you know, They have those cooking ones where you can just uh, – it's a little flathead. Uh, you just pound them out and make them nice and thin. What we're going to do then is we're going to get uh, some cream cheese, which everybody loves. We're going to get some pepper jack cheese, which everybody loves. Uh, we're going to chop up a green onion. We're going to nice little green onion, chop it up. And then we're going to get um, some jalapenos. Um, what we're going to do is, you know, you, you can leave the seeds in if you want, but I suggest you don't because we've got some other stuff going on here. So we're going to slice those jalapenos up. We're going to take the seeds out because that's the heat. We're going to wash them up a little bit. We're going to lay them in the breast. We're going to lay the cheese in there, both cheese in there. We're going to lay it in there. And then we're going to slowly roll it up, make a nice – it's going to be like, like a little uh, – uh, like a little tiny prana Pop. So it's going to be like probably three, four inches, three inches long, and uh, maybe half an inch wide, you know, something like that. And then we're going to get it all round up or uh, rolled up, and then we're going to wrap pepper bacon around it. So cheese, jalapenos, and chicken. And now we're going to wrap two pieces of really good pepper bacon around it. Wow. And then we're going to put a, yeah, but then we're going to put um, two little toothpicks in there, water the toothpicks so they don't catch on fire. And you're going to do as many as you need. I I would recommend, you know, if it's a main meal, three, four per person. You know, if you're doing a bunch for a party, you know, it doesn't take that long to do them. Just roll them up. And uh, so what we're going to do once we get that all done, get the bacon on there. We're going to skewer them with uh, toothpicks. We're going to set the smoker. You can cook this on the grill, but I would recommend the smoker. Um, I think it just adds a little different flavor to it. But we're going to go 375, so we're going to crank it up a little bit. And we're going to cook them for about 30 minutes. And uh, keep turning them to make sure. The important part is pink to clear on chicken, which we all talk about. The other issue is I don't like – I like bacon done when you do these kind of things. So make sure you get the bacon crisp. And then with about five, ten minutes left of cooking, we're going to mix up our, our, our flavor barbecue sauce. Whatever you like. I like a little spicy. You know my mixture. I like the Guy Freddy's. Uh, Kansas City-style bourbon and with uh, red chili, and then we're going to mix that all together, and then we're going to coat these things uh, very generously, and then we're going to try and caramelize the rest of it. So we're going to cook the last 10 minutes, and we're going to caramelize this barbecue sauce over the top. So you got chicken, jalapenos, cheese, bacon, and a really great caramelized barbecue sauce over the top of them. Wow. you are ready to go. We are ready to go.
2: That sounds absolutely delectable. What is? Give us your suggestion, and I know we've done this a lot, but give us your suggestion on barbecue sauce. You're pretty much a sweet baby Ray's guy, right?
3: Well, no, I I used to like sweet baby Ray's, but I've kind of gone away from that. Um, What I like to do is here's here's the deal. I don't. I have a hard time finding one that I just like as one. So what I do is I mix. Um, You know, I might get a sweet, hot uh, with a regular. Uh, there are so many good barbecue sauces out there right now, you guys. Um, there's some local stuff. There's some national stuff. I am really impressed with uh, Guy Fieri's from uh, the Cooking Channel. He's got a couple great ones. But I'm also always dial in with the red chili, sweet red chili sauce.
2: Oh yeah. Uh-huh.
3: I don't know what it is about that stuff. Um, I do like a sweeter sauce. Um, so, but it, but the other thing too, and this is this is I did a wedding one time. Put the barbecue sauce in there, mix it up, and add some seasoning to it. People don't think to add seasoning to barbecue sauce. You can add garlic to it. You can add uh, celery powder to it. So you can jazz up barbecue sauce. To and once it once you heat it up and melt it down, you can't taste it. Um, You'll feel the heat and everything, but it 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 just season your barbecue sauce. If you season your meat and everything else, why not do that?
2: That's a good idea. That's a very good idea. I mean, I think it's
3: a great and it has a great flavor
2: you feel like that it's going to come out of the bottle and be something amazing that somebody's created and you don't want to mess with it, but that makes perfect sense.
3: Right, right. You know, there are some great ones, but, you know, then you go into the parts of the country. Is it a North Carolina sauce, a little more vinegar? Is it a Kansas City, you know, style sauce, a little more tomato base, you know, and all that. But, you know, I just like messing with it because, you know, all we do here is, our main goal is to make it simple and our main goal is find the best flavors you like. And it doesn't mean that you have to go with one flavor. I like mixing and matching everything up and create something, and then it just tastes great.
2: And so, what did you call? Did you call these chicken poppers?
3: Chicken poppers, yeah.
2: Pappy's chicken poppers. They sound absolutely Pappy's amazing. Um, so just a little bit of background. Yeah, I know with a lot of our listeners uh, that listen to you and hear your recipes regularly, but just a little bit of background. Pappy um, has has a, uh, a hot dog. Well, they, it's a hot dog in shape, right? But it really is like, not like any other hot dog. It's called a pappy dog or it's, right. um, it's really actually, a um, I mean, it comes from your, um, comes from your family name, Max finer right. foods, right?
3: Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we've created these five flavors. Um, the, the there's a pappy in the name of all of them, um, and it, we're, the company's name is Max Finer Foods. Uh, we had Max Finer meats in Raleigh Hills for, for umpteen years back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And, uh, we, you know, about, oh ten, fifteen 10, 15 years ago, I just really got tired of the crappy hot dogs on the market. <laughs> yeah. And we knew about these hot dogs and we knew about this stuff. And so we started putting them together, found a great recipe that we, we kind of dialed in. We changed it quite a bit, but we dialed it in. And now we've got them. And, and you know, we're, we're selling out Mount Hood Meadows right now. Um, We're in a little hiatus right now that uh, uh, we're working on something really big that's going to bring us back even stronger. Um, We look to be back in the stores in January, first first part of January. Um, We've done something to these to make them even better flavor, better taste, better moisture, and better texture. That you're gonna flip out on. Uh, it's just we didn't
2: think we
1: could get them better. We got them
2: better. Yeah, I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, you you absolutely. Um, I love the fact that you that you that you, did, you had you didn't rest on what you had, but you wanted to make it better. And and I uh, absolutely can't wait for the new reveal and the new pappy yeah. dog, which is uh, absolutely phenomenal from Max Finer Foods. Pappy, yep. thank you so much for being on with us again this week and bringing this amazing recipe. We sure appreciate you and and everything that you do. And um, have a great week, and we will talk to you again next week.
3: You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pap. Yeah,
2: thanks, Pappy. Take care. Yeah, so it's so great to have Pappy on and get to hear, uh, you know, all of the amazing recipes that he's got. It's uh, it's a treat, honestly, to have him with us. And, uh, and it, it brings a new... Um, sort of a special dimension uh to the show you know i mean weekend warriors oftentimes while home improve doing home improvement and taking care of their homes maintenance, and that sort of stuff it's also important to um you know take a break to take a break and enjoy uh, some of the other things weekend warriors aren't just home improvement guys they're barbecuers right they're party throwers absolutely i mean you're a party thrower well on occasion And uh, I love to get those recipes from Pap. It's always a good one. So before we started talking food, we were talking home improvement. We were talking about painting the interior of the home. Most recently, I think we were talking about making sure that you caulk your gaps uh, in any time you've got wood trim around a window or a door. You got to make sure you caulk that uh, gap between the wall and the trim and and make sure that you're using the right product and, and tooling it right.
1: Well, we were talking a little bit too about cutting in. You know, you said you like to tape. Um, I don't. I don't like to tape. So I want to talk a little bit about the correct brush to use if you don't want to tape.
2: Yeah. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to finish up with all the right tools. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go.
0: Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey. Built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back, fellow Weekend Warriors. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, Tony and I are talking about painting. Thanks, Pappy, for that amazing chicken recipe. Mm-hmm. Chicken with, poppers. Yeah, anything with bacon. Yeah. Done.
2: Yeah, yum.
1: I'm in. Uh, but before the break, uh, I had mentioned uh, about cutting in. Tony, you like to tape off around all your trim. Mm hmm. I don't. I think it's a big waste of time. I think it's a big waste of money. You, know, you pay all this money for you know blue tape and you spend all the time putting it around all the windows and then you paint away and then you got to wait and then peel it all off. And I think half the time it it peels away some of your paint and kind of creates a ragged edge there.
2: What are you going to do when you finish the job if you don't have a big tape ball? I mean, you have to have a big tape ball at the end. To get the th- tape ball fight? Throw at people, yeah. Tape ball fights are fun. <laughs> so no tape ball fights at Corey's house. He doesn't use tape. No.
1: You know, and with with a little bit of practice. And the, and the, right, need, and the right brush. And the right brush. You don't need tape. Uh, the best thing to get for uh, oil-based paints or stains would be a natural bristle brush. Uh, that would be like, um, it's actually made out of animal hairs. Um, like a horse hair or something like that. Um, You don't use that for latex paints. And the reason is because the water will get in there and actually swell those bristles and allow it to, uh, it just won't do a good job. Yeah. Um, I like to use blended brushes. They're blended with nylon and polyester. Uh, They have a nice um, rough tip to to hold a lot of paint. Um, And depending on the size Really depends on what you feel comfortable with. Um, the larger brushes are more for painting larger surfaces. Like a big four-inch brush would be like if you're if you're painting out, uh, say, large trim or a large flat surface. That's what you'd want to use that large brush for. But for cutting it around trim, I would say like an inch and a half, the two or two and a half inch angled sash brush. That's what I use. Uh, there is a thin angled sash brush that doesn't hold very much paint and if you're cutting in very very fine areas around things i will switch to a thin one Uh, but most of the time i'll use just a regular angled sash and you'll know it because you'll look at the brush and it's got a nice uh, angle to it and that allows you to, to dip paint and then allows you to flex the the brush bristles against the surface so then you you put it on your wall kind of brush out some of that excess paint so it's there, but it's not all sitting on the tip of your brush. Flex it out and then slowly glide it into the edge and then ride it down all the way down to the bottom. And you'll really cut a nice straight line, straighter even than I think, than taping. Mm.
2: Well, I mean, uh, if, if you have that expertise, right, and that's working for you, I can understand. Even if you have taped, Using the proper angle brush will still result in, in a, a much nicer, cleaner job. You'll have less paint on your tape. And then when you throw your tape ball later, it'll leave less paint marks <laughs> on the people that you hit with it. Um, you talked about the natural bristle brush, right? Being good for oil-based paints, not for water-based paint. Um, but did you mention that mm-hmm. the option to that is a polyester uh, bristle or a blended nylon polyester bristle um I did. okay so the top quality I just want to make sure that we clear we're clear of it. the top quality is a blended bristle um, polyester and nylon nylon right. Um, so, so there you go. That's, uh, that's, there's a lot of brushes and you're looking at them. They all have kind of different names and different sizes, different shapes. And, you know, making sure that you're choosing the one that's right for your job is the key.
1: Well, making sure the one that you feel most most comfortable with, I and, mean, you can grab them, put them in your hand. If the, if the handle is too thin or too little for your hand and you don't like it, get a bigger handle. They're all pretty much the same brushes or the same bristles connected to different handles. You know, they even make them these little stubbies that are, you know, two or three inch tall brushes to get into tight spots. Uh, they make the brushes that are super fat uh, handles. So if you have big hands or if you have little hands, they make smaller handle brushes. It really just try them, grab them, hold it in your hand like you would. Uh, one tip too, I forgot to mention this, when holding the brush, kind of cradle uh, the brush at there's that ferrule around it that steel ferrule Mm -hmm. and usually the wood comes out of that and then flares down um to the handle i like to hold it right at that base so you're kind of holding the brush portion at the fattest part and the handle would come kind of through your thumb so you're not grabbing it just by the tip or the handle itself Grab it by the biggest part. A little less
2: fatigue on your hand. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Kind of like holding a pencil. Yeah. It gives you that ability, too, to get really uh, accurate on those lines when you're cutting in without tape.
2: Yeah, so if you've gone to get your brush and you decided to get one that was a little more expensive than some of the other ones because you wanted one that's going to do a good job, it's important to take care of it after you're done. Make sure that you wash it out right away. Use hot water, I think. And, uh, and get all the paint out of that brush so you'll have it the next time. They'll save you money.
1: Yeah, you'll definitely want to use like soapy water too. Uh, use a little bit of soapy water to clean it out. Uh, they make tools. They're like uh, brush, brush brushes, <laughs> brush combs. <laughs> For brushing your brush? Yeah, so you can brush out a lot of the paint that's on the inside. Um, I think some people make mistakes of taking that brush handle and flipping it upside down and putting it, running it under the water. Don't do that. Uh, it really messes up the bristles. Um, the other thing with brushes, when you're painting, uh, one way to keep them from getting ruined is don't dip the brush into the paint more than halfway up the bristles. You don't want to dip it all the way in to the metal ferrule. All that paint will get in there and it's really hard to get out and it will ruin that brush. Uh, another thing when cleaning, don't just soak it in water overnight. Because the bristles go up to wood, and then that wood will soak it all up. Eventually, it'll make that really soft, and those bristles will start to fall out. Yeah. Um, another quick tip. Sorry, I keep talking about brushes. <laughs> uh, another quick tip when cleaning your brush, as soon as you've got it all clean, shake it, shake all the water as much as you can out. Don't, a lot of people will slap it. You know, I've seen people do that. They'll slap it on the sink, you know, whack, 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 to try to get some of that paint or that water out. I don't like doing that because, again, You're damaging those bristles, and the next time you use it, they're going to be all wonky. So shake it out as much water as you can get. Take a paper towel and wrap the brush in that paper towel um, so it's nice and tight to keep those bristles nice and tight. Fold the end over, uh, matching the, the, the tip of your brush, and then store it that way. And then the next time you come and get it and you peel that paper towel off, that brush will be perfect.
2: Nice and dry. Nice and dry. And the bristles bristles aren't all sticking out all over the place. Wonky is what I like to call it. If you're using rollers uh, to roll the wall, there's several different types of rollers as well. Um, Different types of fibers that the rollers are made out of. There's a mohair or sheepskin roller. Who's Uh, mo? Yeah, who's mo? And and why is he giving all his hair away? I bet you he's bald. Mohair or sheepskin rollers are used for... uh, for oil-based paint, not latex paint, again with the water and the fibers will soak that up and then it'll get all matted and be ugly. So uh, synthetic fibers like nylon or polyester or blended covers are a good way to go for latex paint. Uh, the pile depth like a quarter inch or three eighths or half inch, depending on the surface that you're painting, the rougher surfaces will need a larger nap and um, the the smoother surfaces need less nap. And another good tip uh, for a good tip for your rollers is use some tape. Some of that tape that Corey doesn't want to use, use that tape and wrap it around the the fibers of that uh, roller first, and get some of that loose lint off. It won't end up on your wall. Oh, that's a good tip. Drive you crazy. Um, so just know what your paint what you're painting smooth, textured, um, super rough wood. Um, There's certain rollers for that stuff, and it'll say right on the wrapper there. Choosing the right tool for the job will be the one thing that's your saving grace and help you do a good job.
1: Absolutely.
2: More importantly than anything, get out there and do the work. We are out of time. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have an amazing week.